Good morning, friends. Today is the third Sunday in the season of Lent, and our gospel text for this morning is John chapter 2, verses 13 through 22, the temple incident. John writes, The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, quote, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, quote, Zeal for your house will consume me. So the Jews said to him, What sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days. But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. This is the word of the Lord. Again, welcome to the third Sunday of the Lenten season, and I pray that today's message is encouraging to you. Grace and peace. Yep, so this is a pretty familiar story. This is the Temple Incident. Um, I always name my sermons after songs. Uh, I was going to name this one uh, Watch Me Whip, but I didn't do that. Um, so anyway, this is a very interesting story. In this scene, we encounter a Jesus who is quite compelling, a Jesus who uh, we might not be used to seeing. He's very angry. Uh, so there's this altercation. He brings a sense of chaos and disruption to the people around him. I picture this uh, as the time, the first time maybe the disciples noticed the incredible tattoo going down the leg of Jesus. Uh, perhaps they're really getting a new picture of who this person is. Uh, but the questions are like, what is happening in this scene? What's really going on and why? Uh, so I want to just share a few things about the story and then some application uh, for us as we move forward. The first is this. Uh, the story unfolds during the Passover feast in Jerusalem. Now, Passover was one of the three main festivals where Jews from all over the world, if they could get there, they would come to Jerusalem uh, to celebrate and commemorate the story of the Exodus, of the freeing of the Hebrew people from slavery in Egypt. So the Passover is a very, very important uh, celebration and a feast and a festival for the Jewish people. It is also like a central story uh, to who they are, this this abolition story uh, from their history. So this is when the, the story is taking place. And the number of people in Jerusalem during the Passover was always incredibly, incredibly high. Second, as Jesus approaches the temple, what he sees is commerce. He sees uh, selling he sees money being changed, particularly there's the selling of sacrificial animals and the exchanging 
of money. Now, a couple things about this. It's very easy for us to sit back and say, yes, they have all completely lost their minds. But a couple things about what's really going on uh, in the temple at that time. Passover was a pilgrimage festival. And so people had to travel from very far to come to Jerusalem. And part of the Passover festival was to offer sacrifices at the temple. Every ancient religious culture had a sacrificial system. The Jews were not unique in this. And so out of a need to help the pilgrims that are coming to Jerusalem from far away, over time, what developed was a system of selling sacrificial animals right there on site so that you didn't have to lug your goat all the way from Turkey. So this is pretty much, it was just an efficiency thing that developed over time. It wasn't out of any need for money or whatever. They were offering a service to these people. As far as the money exchanging that's going on, this was also a necessary evil. The temple tax could not be paid with Greek or Roman coins because of the image of the emperor's head or face that was on the coins. This was a no-no in uh, Jewish culture to have an image of someone graven, engraven on a coin or anything like that. So money could be exchanged for what was called Tyrian currency. It's a Rome-approved coinage for the temple tax. And so again, people are coming from far away. They have their own coinage from their own towns. They can make that exchange at the temple. That's what's happening. Again, a service to the pilgrims, etc. When our church was uptown, uh, there were so many hotels around our building that we would often get people from other countries that would visit our church when they were visiting the city for work or whatever. And so uh, we used to keep all the guest cards from different countries. Uh, but Every now and then we would have money in the offering buckets that was from other countries and we didn't know what to do with it until someone said, well, there's an exchange kiosk at Lenox Mall in the food court, as it should be. And so we every every so many Sundays we would go to lunch at Lenox after church and carry with us money from other countries to exchange so that we could put uh, in the offering plate. You know, so that's how that works. But that's what's happening. They're selling uh, animals for sacrifice so that you don't have to bring something all the way from your home country. And they're also exchanging money so that you can legally and morally, in this case, pay the temple tax. So that's what's happening. And yet Jesus, uh, third here, yet Jesus comes unglued with this whole scene. He he gets upset. Why? Well, he's a bit of a purist or a radical, which means purist as well. He's a radical of sorts, and he's upset that worship had moved too far into commercial structures and systems beyond what was even necessary. So there is this issue of like some things are just necessary to do. The temple was very huge, very large in area, and I'm sure it needed a janitor and a receptionist and people who would lead the various liturgies and services during the festivals and so on. But Jesus's anger is directed at how far the temple's central purpose uh, had drifted in the lives of its people. This is why he says to them, uh, do not make my father's house a house of trade. So what we can get from this is that, yes, these are necessary things that were happening, but Jesus really sensed and I guess knew that worship had become so systematized and embedded in these structures of commerce that it really upset Jesus. So Jesus gets upset. 
he says some things to them. He turns tables over. He makes a whip and drives out the animals. He throws the money on the floor. And we often, you know, this is what maybe you grew up in a church like this, but this this is Jesus tearing down the system of Jewish practice, which is not the case. Jesus is actually doing uh, something that's not anti-Jewish, but very in line with the Jewish prophets, such as Amos or Jeremiah, where they speak very clearly against the worship practices of their own people. So his indictments are about the religious practices of his own people. He's not tearing down his own people. He's doing what the prophets have always done. But the main thing we want to get from this is that what happens in the temple that day is a disruption. This was a disruption uh, big time. Okay, Uh, we were cleaning out one of our uh, workrooms or the workroom in our church uh, a couple weeks ago, and Lindsay found a bulletin from March the 8th, 2020. I think we have a picture of this. And so I took a picture of it, and this is the last in-person service that we had on Sunday, on Sunday mornings. So it's been a year. Today is the year mark from the last time that we met in person. So it's very interesting to find this bulletin. We often don't find bulletins, but this one was still sitting um, in the workroom. And I will just say this. It's been... As you know, a year of disruption. It's been an unsettling of sorts. And uh, from my seat as a pastor, our church over the last year has experienced all kinds of disruptions. And let me just share a few of those with you as, um, as we try to look back over the last year and reflect. Thanks for the picture, Lindsay. I think we're done. But um, again, it's been a year of disruption. It's been unsettling uh, for many of us. And again, from my seat as a pastor, uh, our church has experienced all kinds of things. There's been COVID cases within our own congregation. People have lost loved ones to the disease. Uh, We've been through that with people. There's been a loss of relationships. Um, There's been a loss of work. Um, There has been among many of you, like the feeling of being trapped at work. We all have this sort of like, if I could go somewhere, I would, but it's the same everywhere. And so people feel trapped. Um, There are family struggles and tensions. Uh, The number of conversations that I've had with people in the last year about just the tensions within families Um, whether it's masks or no masks, who voted for who and who didn't vote for who. Like, it is unbelievable how many conversations I've been in this year as a pastor just with these very issues uh, that have risen to the top. There's been extreme loneliness, especially with kids. Um, The Atlanta City School Systems went back to school a few weeks ago, and our daughter uh, is in the fourth grade, and she returned and uh, we were like, she has not been around a person her size in a year. And it's, uh, there's been a real sense of loneliness uh, in the lives of kids, but also in adults. There's been depression. Uh, we've fielded so many things uh, from many of you about depression and anxiety. Uh, there's been other things going on. Uh, there's, there have been miscarriages. There have been cancers uh, and many, many other things. It's been 
a year of disruption. Uh, recently, our staff has been reading some church research <clears throat> that we're working through. We're actually going to share some of this with you prior to the town hall. We're just going to send you a redacted version because some of it's kind of boring, but we want to give you the main things that you can see. But uh, in some recent research, what's coming back from people who attend church is that people are very weary, confused, and fearful. Uh, there's a small sense that people have lost their church. Uh, it feels very empty at that in that regard. People are wearing down with uh, the cultural tension and the constant fighting that's happening, and I see that. I feel that. Um, there's lament over the loss of community. Um, there's even a section of the research titled Six Reasons Your Pastor is About to Quit, but we're not going to share that with you. We'd like to keep that secret. Uh, but it has been a disruption. And from our surveys at the beginning of this year, we asked a question about what parts of your faith uh, have taken the biggest hits over the last year. And the top three were uh, prayer. 33% of you said, I just don't pray anymore. Uh, it's been really hard to do that. 54% of you stopped reading the Bible. Uh, 47% I really struggle with attending church, and that is probably the case in every congregation. We know that 33% of all churches are gone, and uh, people have stopped engaging for whatever reason. When we asked what the biggest need in the coming year for you was, 60% of you said community, people. It's been a disruption for all of us in some way. But I want to say this. Disruptions can be good, though. They can push us to ask really important questions of ourselves. And if you feel as though your faith has been rattled a bit, I want to say that that can be a good thing every now and then. It's good to have the furniture moved around so that we're forced to walk new paths. This is normal. And when Jesus carried out his actions in the temple on that day, he threw the mechanics of what worship had become into chaos. And it forced them to ask serious questions about purpose and mission and how it was that they ended up doing what they were doing. If you read the story closely, they even asked Jesus, uh, by what authority are you doing these things? They're asking him for credentials, for a warrant. Like, how are you even in here? And so they're, even in the midst of it happening, they started to have questions about what it all meant. Now, this is not to say that Jesus is behind the mess from the last year. He's not. That's not what this story is about. But the scene in the temple is one that we can apply to our lives quite well. There are times when life and rhythms and faith, they get disrupted and they get turned over. And it's in those times that we are invited to reflect and to recenter. Uh, G.K. Chesterton said, many things that are made holy, uh, many things are made holy by being turned upside down. And I really think about this story when I read that. So I want to encourage you to reflect this week on how your faith is doing. There's no right or morally superior answer to your reflections. What God is looking for is just the fruit of honesty and self-awareness. That's all he desires. How is it with your soul is a question that we all get asked. For those of us who are in class meeting groups, we get this question every week. 
How, is it, how has it been with your soul? And it's a great question of reflection. And so I want to challenge you this week to reflect on how your faith is doing. How has the furniture been moved? How are you learning to walk in new uh, paths? Commit to looking for ways that God might be stretching you uh, in this season. And this is, a, this is about placing ourselves in the story. It's very, it's very easy for us to want to take up arms with Jesus. But the point of the story is for us to imagine us being in the temple when Jesus arrives. What is he rearranging about my faith, about my practice, about my life? And so I want to challenge you to do that this week. This is what Lent is about, is to really assess how we're doing and our faith and our relationship with God and to really ask how he might be stretching uh, each of us. So with that, uh, I leave you uh, to your breakout groups uh, and we'll talk about this on the other side. Grace and peace. Get down to